Open the eyes of our hearts, dear Lord, that we may see the wonders of your word. Amen. Today we are in second chapter of Nehemiah, where we see him being sent to Judah by King Artaxerxes, and he starting to build the walls of Jerusalem. In the previous chapter, we saw how he prayed to the Lord and committed his plan, and he asked for God's mercy in the sight of the king. Verse one in chapter two starts by saying, "In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes." So four months had passed by, and still Nehemiah was looking out, hopefully in prayer for a breakthrough from God. So what do we see here? We see that sometimes God answers wait. God doesn't immediately answer our prayers. Why is that? It's just because He makes all things beautiful in His time. as we see in ecclesiastes 3:11 so we need to have the patience to let god work out in his time when we rush things it often ends in failure or a disappointment at just the right time god will make it beautiful this date is also very important because as daniel had prophesied it points to the coming of the messiah jesus christ There was a British mathematician and theologian named Sir Robert Anderson who wrote the book The Coming Prince and in that book he has shown mathematically from Daniel chapter 9 verse 25 how there would be exactly 7 weeks and 62 weeks that is 1,73,880 days from this exact date mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1 until the day when messiah would be presented to the nation of israel where he would enter jerusalem as the messiah so you see even mathematically the bible is proven true so coming back we see the king asking nehemiah why do you look sad when you are not sick and look at his reaction nehemiah was very frightened why was he frightened because he was a cupbearer he was the close bodyguard of the king who was a confidant In those days there were many assassination attempts on the king's life so they had a cupbearer who was the ultimate authority on anything the king and the court had to drink or to eat this person had to be a very trustworthy and honest person and one who was very reliable and such was the man Nehemiah and so if the king were to see him in a troubled state it might arouse the suspicions of the king as to what is going on in the background so the king might even mistrust him secondly in the presence of the king one was not to show such facial expressions as it was a very solemn assembly with all these questions running on in the back of his mind he says why should my face not be sad when the city the place of my fathers lies in ruins and the king's response was okay what shall i do for you and look what nehemiah does immediately it says So I prayed to the God of heaven and then he answers the king even in that tense situation when he was in the presence of the king Nehemiah's only thought was that God was reigning supreme in control of all the events that were taking place much of our so called prayer is not usually to God in fact there is very little thought of God in our prayers sometimes we usually think of the audience of our prayer We do not have the deep sense of awe that we are in the presence of the holy almighty creator of the universe and calling upon him for his help or his direction in our lives and that is the reason most of our prayers fail we do not really pray to god 
So the first thing that we need to do is make God real in our prayers. We need to set aside our minds, our thoughts, our surroundings and our audience far away from us. And it is only possible through the help of the Holy Spirit to have God so really present that it seems as if we could see and even touch him. When we have such a deep connection, our needs, our weaknesses, our surroundings, our thoughts move back into the shadows and God's presence becomes prominent. And yet imagine in that short instance what would Nehemiah have prayed? It would have been a very short prayer acknowledging God's sovereignty there. So it also tells us it is not the length of the prayer that matters but the attitude of our prayer that brings about results in our lives. He asked the king a favor to send him back to Judah, the city of his fathers, so that he may rebuild it. So obviously the king was alarmed. So he asked, "How long will your journey take and when will you return?" because he was the main guy who was responsible for the king's well-being. And finally, the king was pleased to send him to Judah. Furthermore, Nehemiah asked, "If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of those provinces." and a letter to Asaph the keeper of the king's forest to give timber for the rebuilding of the temple and the king granted all that he asked and look at Nehemiah saying because the good hand of my god was upon me both Ezra and Nehemiah have the same attitude we see it in Ezra chapter 1 verse 5 and chapter 7 verse 6 as well they readily acknowledged that it was the mighty hand of god that was helping them accomplish such great tasks for his name that should be our attitude as well we should never take credit for anything that we do for the lord we should always mask ourselves and make sure that god is revealed through us amaya could have easily taken credit by saying i spoke to the king in such a such a way in a clever way and convinced him to give all this to me no he did not do that he said the good hand of the lord was upon me and that's the only reason i was able to accomplish this see in the new testament of john the baptist in john chapter 3 john knew that a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven then john declared the kingdom principle he must increase but i must decrease sometimes it is very easy for us to say he must increase it is the second part where many of us fail that we must decrease that we need to become less visible or less prominent and that is why we need to die to ourselves each and every day and allow jesus to live in us take it up as a challenge to discover an area in your life where you can decrease and then develop share and implement a plan to live that principle so one area at a time we can conquer our lives to decrease ourselves and so that he might increase in each of those areas And verse 9 and 10 tells us that as soon as he started the work of the Lord opposition started as well. This is a very well known fact. So anyone ready for the Lord's work should not be worried about opposition. Sometimes people might think, okay, it is only those who are doing the ministry. I am very well secure. I can just be quiet. I can be mediocre. I don't have to work for the Lord and get into all those trouble. No. Trouble comes to everybody in this world, not just Christians. but this trouble is actually the spiritual warfare that we will be fighting when we take up the work of the lord it is actually the spiritual warfare that god is talking about two men rose up sanballat and tobiah it caused them great displeasure that someone had come to see about the welfare and prosperity of the israelites 
Tobia actually means Yahweh is good, but he was a treacherous person. He was not good. Sanballat was a Samaritan, and both of these men had connections with the high priest. Tobia directly from the family of high priest, and Sanballat married to the family of high priest. So both of them were in good stead. So why then did they not allow Nehemiah to build the wall for the welfare of the Israelites? So our spiritual enemies may not come always from the outside. We can have our spiritual enemies even from people closely related to us. Just as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 verse 23 to his chief disciple Peter, "Get behind me, Satan." So even people within our close circle or even within our families or within our friend circle may be used as tools by Satan as our spiritual enemies. From verses 11 onwards we see Nehemiah inspecting in the walls of Jerusalem and starting the work to rebuild the walls. In verse 11 we read that he came to Jerusalem and he waited for 3 days and he got up in the night along with a few men and he went around to look at the walls of Jerusalem to do an inspection. Nehemiah notes many places where there were damages to the walls. What does this tell us? It tells us that first our lives can have damages at various places. We might be happy on the outside and it might look as if everything is all right but deep down when nobody is looking there might be places of us which needs repair and restoration. When we look at other Christians we can see that they are fighting their own battles. They might have some walls broken into. When we see our close family, a spouse or a child, we see their weakness of character and the areas where they are broken. So it might be in our businesses in our relationships in our friendships and even in our churches too if we take honest hard look at our churches we can see that there are many places which needs mending so god is looking for such nehemiahs to rebuild the walls in your family in your circle of friends in your businesses in your relationships and even in your churches too So he gathered up all the people in verse 17 and he says you see the bad situation that we are in how desolate and how we are lying in ruin burned with fire he gives them an invitation come and let us rebuild sometimes the people might not realize that they are broken and sometimes they might realize that they are broken and they might have given up on hope sometimes we ourselves might have given up on hope thinking there can be nothing that can be changed in our lives to make it better we might have resigned to the fact that this is how it is but look at verse 18 there he says the hand of my god has been favorable to me so that is what changes the whole scenario on its head no matter how many zeros are piled up when the number 1 comes up in front it makes a huge difference if we let jesus be our number 1 he can repair and restore all the zeros in our lives and make it something really worthwhile and this call of action by nehemiah caught the imagination of the people for they all said let us rise up and build this shows the faith of the people this faith is infectious you see nehemiah had the faith that he could do something and that's the reason he fasted and prayed for so many days and so many nights in the first chapter and then he formulated a plan and he laid out the plan at the feet of the lord and he prayed for god's mercy and then in chapter 2 in the beginning we saw how he was able to get that mercy from king artaxerxes and now he has come all the way from babylon to juda carrying that infectious faith along with him 
and he is transferring that faith to the people now we are called to be such nehemiahs with such infectious faith that wherever we enter in we touch the people's lives with this faith to rebuild their lives but look once again in verse 19 sanballat and tobiah come again and when they heard it they mocked us and regarded us with contempt we see that the soldiers mocked jesus while he was on the cross in luke chapter 23 verse 36 jesus knew that just as he said in matthew chapter 5 verse 11 blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account but peter says in first peter chapter 2 verse 23 when he was reviled he did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly god the father many people are turned away by the fear of such mocking god allows every christian to be tested like this we must never be concerned about what people may think about us or what people may ridicule us about they may say oh you are a fool to believe a mythical story like jesus they might say don't you know science has proven christianity wrong but nehemiah answered them the god of heaven has appointed us for his purpose and will give us success therefore we his servants will arise and build but you have no portion right or memorial in jerusalem look at how nehemiah once again puts the god of heaven at the forefront nehemiah was always careful to honor god no matter what because he knew the principle that if he honored god god will honor him where did he learn that first samuel chapter 2 verse 30 those who honor me i will honor but those who despise me will be disdained that is they will become insignificant so nehemiah and ezra both of them very well versed with the law of the lord they knew very well that those who are against him against the lord god will become insignificant We see this principle playing out in the book of Daniel as well. In chapter 1 when Daniel sought to honor God, God honored him. In chapter 2, once again as Daniel and his friends sought to honor the Lord, he honored them back. In chapter 3 as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego sought to honor the Lord, the Lord once again honored them back. In chapter 6 when Daniel sought to honor the Lord, the God of heaven honored him back. If we stand firm for the Lord, he may lead us along a hard pathway which involves suffering as well but then god will always honor us if we seek to honor him sanballat and tobia kept on opposing the work of the lord all the way until the end but then nehemiah and the people did not stop the work they got it done and sanballat and tobia became insignificant may god bless these words Amen.